You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 60, Seven Ways to Support Millennials Working in Ministry. What would you do if we told you that a simple smile, a family meal, or a weekly chat could make a dramatic difference in the life of a young minister? It's all too easy to forget that even ministers sometimes need the people they serve to reach back out to them. Today, Lauren Joyce, a young DRE from Philadelphia, returns to the Ascension Roundtable to share seven ways that you can support millennials who are working in ministry. If you want to learn more about Lauren or have her come speak at your parish, you can find her online at www.laurenjoyce.net. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Marisa. I am here with Lauren Joyce in studio. Lauren um, spoke with us last week about uh, survival tips for the new minister. Um, she's a young DRE who's been in uh, this line of work for five years at a parish up outside of Philly. Um, she studied at Villanova. Um, well, she got her undergrad at Catholic University of America, but then she got a theology degree with a certificate in pastoral ministry at Villanova um, after she graduated from Catholic U. So she is passionate about her faith. Millennials in ministry. <laughs> she is passionate about being a millennial in ministry. I want to have a club and then we can eat M&Ms all the time. There you like, go. This is my goal. <laughs> I would like to be in that club, actually, um, as long as there were peanut, and peanut M&Ms. There you go. Um, and she is going to talk to us today about um, ways to support those who are younger and who are in ministry. So if you are a uh, married person, if you are a volunteer, if you are um, a DRE who's a little bit older, a little more seasoned, or a pastor, stay tuned because um, you're going to hear some great ways that you can love on your brothers and sisters who are in ministry and um, earlier on in their walk. Mm -hmm. So we have seven tips and we're going to start with number one. Go for it, Lauren. Awesome. So um, first of all, I just want to set this in the context that everyone in the parish wants this young person to survive, right? So this is our goal. Like mission is young person does not burn out and does not burn out and feel, you know, terrible by the end of the year. So this is our goal. <laughs> and how do we get there? Um, so no matter who you are, if you're on staff, if you're in the parish, walk up to this person and smile and tell them that you're happy that they're there. Um, it can be very overwhelming to join a new parish. This young person may have moved to a different part of the country. Who knows? You just don't know. So, you know, walk up to them, be very friendly, smile, tell them that you're happy that they're there um, and try to keep up that like general sense of warmth and welcome um, for a while because it is a lot to adjust to. And, um, you know, it's always a lot to adjust to any first time job. Um, any 23 year old will tell you it's it's usually pretty lonely and hard and all your friends now live on the four corners of the earth. So especially if this young person has jumped into ministry, which has a lot of extra spiritual and emotional components, just be very nice to them. Smile a lot. <laughs> Um, so my second tip goes, especially for their pastor or supervisor, the first thing you want to make sure that they do is hook them up with the professional organization that's closest to them. So here in Philly, we're super spoiled. We have a great DRE network and the outgoing DRE who trained me, that was like the one thing I remember her saying. She handed me the flyer. She's like, here's new DRE day. You have to go. You have to go. <laughs> new DRE day. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> 
And, you know, so as the pastor supervisor, if there is a network or professional organization in your diocese, hook them up with that. Or if there's not one, find two or three really good, really friendly people who know what they're doing in that role. So a nearby parish or whatever, and make sure they introduce themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Don't just kind of like hand them a phone number, but if ask them a month later, have you met with Mrs. So-and-so? And if they haven't, make sure that happens because especially in religious education, but even in youth ministry, there are so many specialized pieces of information right. that nobody else knows. <laughs> right. You mentioned one in the last yeah. podcast. <laughs> I know. It's just, yeah, my, my, yeah, you can go back and listen to my example, but it's just, the, this is DRE life that like this family walks in and they have like two eight-year-olds and then a baby and the baby's baptized, but the eight-year-olds are not. And like the dad's orthodox and mom like was Baptist, but wants to be Catholic and like what grade should they be in in CC? I don't know. Um, So they need to be hooked up with um, people who really know what they're doing, because, of course, especially in religious education, these are the sacraments of the church. So you want to be sure that they're valid and you're not presenting children for sacraments that they're not qualified for in terms of where were they baptized and all those things. So make sure they're well connected. Um, so the third one would be the coworkers. So anyone else on staff, I would say try to be extra friendly and check in frequently. Um, my coworkers are so kind at our parish. We have a one-hour lunch every day, and our pastor said that we're not allowed to talk about work. Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, things like that really create a sense that, you know, this is a friendly place to be. You know, they every time, you know, I was going on a date or something, you know, they would all kind of be like twiddling along with me like, oh, hot day today, you know, that type of thing. Thing. Um, so just trying to be, you know, checking in with them on a personal level, but then also checking in with them on a professional level. So um, a big a big recommendation I would make, especially for youth ministry and religious education, often we hand these professionals major projects like, and I quote, take kids to Steubenville. And we're just like, <laughs> don't, I mean, my pastor never said that to me. I said to my pastor, I want to take kids to Steubenville. He's like, okay. Um, but, you know, we hand them these major tasks, usually in July or August when they get hired, and they're not due until May. And there may not be a lot of clear indication how you get from A to B. Right. And that can be so overwhelming. So especially if you're a supervisor or a coworker who has seen how these things work out before, um, if you're just a coworker, you could be checking in informally. Um, God bless my assistant. She would come to me every week for CCD and say, do you think it's time for you to remind people about Lent coming up? And I said, you know, I do think it's time for, you know, like every deadline yeah. of the year, she'd just say, don't you think it's time to send out that memo? Oh, Here's the draft sweet. from last year. Oh, that's really said, nice. God bless you. You know, <laughs> um, and I would change it from Times New Roman into a better font and then we'd send it home. Um, So, you know, informally or even um, if you're a supervisor, I would say almost invent deadlines. Maybe, you know, you don't need these forever, but in that first year, invent some sort of benchmark for October 1st and December 1st and February 1st. Yeah. Um, Because I think that's one of the biggest struggles is you know, you're just handed these gargantuan tasks. I remember my first year confirmation was in May and, you know, the bishop is coming and it's just so easy to blow that out of proportion. It's like the bishop is coming and these families have spent so much money on these outfits and these dresses and there's musicians and I don't know what I'm doing, but somehow I'm in charge. And, (laughs) um, you know, so having accountability along the way, um, either informally or formally from supervision is so helpful. And, you know, maybe you can take that away after a year or two. I wouldn't I wouldn't say keep it there forever. Yeah. And it's not so much a um, to put pressure, but really as a, a guiding principle, 
here, this is your life will be easier if you're able to get Mm -hmm. these things done by this point in time. And, um, gosh, what a help. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a pacer in a marathon. Yeah. Pacer group. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense to me. And the professional organization helps with that, too, because then there are the other people. For instance, in religious education, there's all of these audits we have to send to the archdiocese that no one else knows about. Yeah. But, you know, the other DREs are always like, don't forget your safe environment audit is due or, you know, don't forget it's time to look for your teenagers for this or that or. um, Yeah. So important. Yeah. Help them out. (laughs) Be really nice. Um, my next one would be for parishioners. And this is so key. Feed them. Take them <laughs> to dinner. Um, invite them to dinner in your home. It kind of depends on your situation and whatnot. But um, many young people, especially if they're not married, they're a little bit lonely, right? They might have moved away from their college, away from their family. Um, I'll never forget kind of the first parishioners to invite me to family dinner. And their dogs running around and jumping all over me and their kids are everywhere. And the kids had just gotten this ridiculous Frozen, the movie, plastic, <laughs> like, ice maker machine that was, like, maybe three inches <laughs> tall. And so this child is trying to crush like an ice cube in this little three inch plastic thing with Elsa (laughs) on the side and it didn't work. So then dad got out like some sort of construction tool. And now dad's like grinding ice at the dinner table because the kids were like so excited I was there. So they wanted to make me like ices or something. (laughs) And everything about it, it it reminds me of Jesus going to Bethany to be with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Right. And that just ministry of friendship and the table and, you know, young ministers need that. Um, I used to read Simka Fisher all the time, and she said, like, parishioners, you need to have your priest over for a beer, not to talk about theology, not to have them bless your house, like, just have them over for a beer and, like, let them hang out. And similarly for young ministers, you know, um, I similarly remember my first year, one of the families made a point to invite me to the confirmation party Mm. afterwards, and it was in a park, and there was a pinata, and it was just so nice. Yeah. And often young people, especially if they've moved, they're just kind of out of the loop and they would love to hang out with normal people who have pets and kids. (laughs) Yeah. And be part of that parish community. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing is just because I think if we over professionalize things, then we forget the fact that we're a church and not a corporation. Exactly. And you need to be in community with your community Mm -hmm. and not just... um, you know, like, lest it become bureaucratic, your role becomes mm-hmm. simply bureaucratic. It's 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 not. It shouldn't be. It should be. Um, yeah, there should be a, a family dynamic exactly. there. Exactly. And so, I mean, goodness, yes, please invite them, <laughs> invite them over <laughs> um, for a meal or just a tea or I don't know something barbecue. Um, I think that's that in and of itself. If everybody at a parish had that mindset or on mm-hmm. parish staff of reaching out, you know, if they did that just with somebody on staff, it's probably easier to do that with somebody on staff Mm -hmm. um, that they're also on staff with than it would be for them to do that with um, just like a random young person that they saw at a parish. Mm -hmm. But if they practice that with you and they heard your experience Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of stepped out to invite you over, then how much, you know, easier is it for them to do that if they just see a young person coming to mass by Mm -hmm. themselves Sunday after Sunday? They've already invited you over. They already have heard kind of where you're coming from. It's going like that could that could change the entire culture of a parish. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm all about everyone inviting everyone else over for food <laughs> all of the time. But especially as you're saying for young adults, um, I see coming through my office, young adults registering as members of the parish or looking to get involved. And often it's in that 23, 24 year old age where they say I'm new to the area and I'm like so lonely. And these are not ministers. These are just, you know, they have a day job. But they're like, I'm so desperate, I'll even teach CCD, you know? (laughs) And, you know, and so I'm there trying to brainstorm, okay, which family in the parish can I set them up with? So absolutely, if you have a home and a a spirit for hospitality, what's the worst going to happen? They could say no, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So um, this is another one for supervisors. Um, I think we need to be very aware and very honest about hours and work schedules. So parish life happens mostly in nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. And it's just tricky to get the right balance where obviously I want to be working in a full-time capacity, but not all hours are created equal. And to give a Friday night to a parish when you're a young person hurts a lot more than to give a Monday morning, mm-hmm. right? So um, if you're a supervisor of a young person, I actually would encourage you to have them record their hours. Um, this is something that worked really well in my parish. I found that here I would be spending all day at the cathedral downtown doing this big thing with RCIA. And then my coworkers would have no idea that I'd worked that weekend. And on Monday morning when I wasn't there at 9 a.m., they would say, hey, where's Lauren? <laughs> I, was mm. like, I was at the cathedral all day, but nobody knows. Right. Um, so as a supervisor, consider having for the first year, having that person mark their hours and maybe even what their main tasks were that day. Mm-hmm. I find that can be very helpful for them and you. So you can review together, you know, hey, you spent so many hours on this one project like, A, maybe you need some help on that project, or B, maybe we need to get a new curriculum or, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think that sort of awareness can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're the supervisor, make that person take their personal time. We <laughs> talked about this in the first one for tips for the young minister themselves, but I'll just give an example. I was hired in July, and my grandfather, um, who had lived with us, was had been placed on hospice I think it was like six weeks after I was hired. Mm. And I didn't want to take any time off. I'd just been hired. And I called into the office. I talked to my assistant, who is very wise. And I said, you know, here's what's going on. I'm coming in, but I might have to rush out to the hospital. We just don't know about my grandfather. She said, Lauren, it's the middle of August. No one's here. Nothing's happening. (laughs) Go to the hospital. Just go be with your family. Yeah. And that was so beautiful because, you know, and I fought her for a minute. I was like, no, no, I have to come in. She's like, go, just shut up and go, you know? Yeah. Um, And because she pushed me in that very appropriate, very helpful way, I was able to be at the bedside of my grandfather while he was passing. And I was Mm -hmm. able to like have those last words. He ended up passing that night. Oh my gosh. And it was her wisdom to help me as a young professional balance my commitments to work, but also just my commitments as a human. So um, I would say, you know, if you're a supervisor or you're close to this young person, make sure they're taking their vacation time. I would encourage them to schedule, if they're in religious education or youth ministry, try to get them to take a break around October. It's really Mm. nice to get them out of town for a two or three (laughs) day something um, because they're probably really cranky by then and feel really stressed from getting the academic year off the ground and, you know, just be a little bit proactive in helping them guard their own private time, make sure they're not doing all their emails at home late at night, that sort of thing. And that requires such an open line of communication. I think sometimes, um, I mean, I know when I started teaching, um, I I think I had two conversations with my department head, Mm -hmm. like the whole year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and 
and I'd never felt like I could take any time off because I, I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. in this relationship. And so I think that's just so important. If you have the open line of communication, um, if you kind of know, if you've talked about like your personal lives before, mm-hmm. then it's not as awkward to say, Hey, you know, my, my grandma's really sick right now. Can I take a day and yeah. go down? Um, and I think that's also part of the role of a leader of a community, a parish to set that tone yeah. for the rest of, of the staff, like to take a retreat mm-hmm. every once in a while, um, because it really does trickle down um, even from the pastor. Mm-hmm. Like if the pastor can't ever take off, then, um, you know, what what yeah. kind of tone does that set? And And I'm so grateful. I had. I had actually asked my pastor, I said, you know, and, and he was so trusting of me. He basically said, like, I hired you because I trust you, you know, kind of do what you want and don't do what you want. But you know what I mean? He gave yeah. me a very large area of responsibility. And I found that initially that was overwhelming. So I said, Father, I need to meet with you like once a week because I just don't even know what your vision is for this parish for me to implement. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm meeting with parishioners who are asking all these questions and I want to say what your vision and you know, your wish is, but I don't know what that is. So I had to proactively ask for once a week, very short, like 15, 20 minute meetings, but I would have all my little questions there. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want me to do in this scenario? What do you want me to do in that scenario? Um, And no one else on staff was necessarily getting that type of feedback. But Mm -hmm. as a young professional, that was so key to A, me feeling confident what I was doing, but B, the pastor trusting that I was really implementing his vision. I wasn't Mm -hmm. just making things up and going out on a limb. Um, the other thing was I had to ask for an annual review because no one else in the parish wanted one. (laughs) And so, um, I would say if you're a supervisor for this young professional, maybe ask a friend of yours who's in another industry and just say, you know, what is normal for a young professional? And it would be a quarterly review maybe, or a biannual or an annual review. Why? Because you're giving feedback to this person. This is the first time this person's doing it. They're not going to be perfect. Let's not lie and pretend. And, you know, you're actually, I think, depriving that person of their full potential if you're never telling them like, hey, this is a gaping hole everyone sees <laughs> and you need to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's um, again, like I've seen people just want to let, let young people do their thing. It's okay. You know, you have room to make mistakes. It's like, that's good. It, it is good to have room to make mistakes, but it's also not helpful if um, you never get that feedback. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then um, my final one would be to, especially for pastors and staff, to really lean into trusting this person to help guide your parish's outreach to young people generally. Um, So, you know, the the church, if you read any statistics, it's very depressing about how many young people are attending church. And this young person you have hired and trusted on your staff, you have hired and trusted. So trust them. Let them tell you what works for young people. I'm so grateful that my parish um, on my recommendation has been improving our like digital outreach and different communications where I'm saying like, this is where young people Mm -hmm. are getting evangelized on these platforms with these products. And it's really been quite fruitful. Um, And so I would say if you're a pastor, this would actually even be a reason to hire a young person, Um, you know, and and be careful, be selective. Don't just hire someone Mm -hmm. because they're 23. But if they have a proven track record of leadership in their campus ministry or a proven track record of leadership through different internships and things like that, um, if you're trying to reach a young adult demographic in your parish, you couldn't do better than hiring a young adult to be on your staff. 
Yeah. Um, and just really trust them that they know what they're doing. And because sometimes I feel crazy when I say things like, you know, everyone's tweeting about this or texting about this or whatever. And everyone in the room who's over a certain age looks at me like I'm insane. And then I go repeat the same statement at the Theology on Tap that night. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, totally. We get what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm like, I'm not crazy. There really (laughs) are people who think like this. Um, And, you know, so to just lean in and trust that person that God you know, has sent them to you and, you know, you, you want them to flourish and blossom at your parish and Mm -hmm. what can you do to help them get there? Yeah. And I think also a young person who is, um, in love with their faith is such an anomaly. Mm -hmm. There's something special about that person's experience, either the way that they've been discipled or, um, just like what they have had to do in order to hold on to their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it doesn't happen by accident. There are no cultural 24 yeah. <laughs> year old Catholics who are like, oh yeah, like this just is in my just blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, so there's, there's something to be said for, um, a Catholic who comes out of college, mm-hmm. out of the university environment, you know, on fire for their faith, Mm -hmm. practicing and with a heart for, for the mission. Um, Absolutely. And, and I would, I would echo that a hundred percent that typically young people are quite good at apologetics. They typically are quite good at communicating. You have to check, like, don't just hire someone random and you never ask them about these topics. Um, But lean into that, that this is the new evangelization. Like I'm a proud card carrying member of the (laughs) JP2 generation. Um, One of my favorite quotes, I had that little book of JP2 quotes. I don't know if anyone else had it when they were a little kid. Um, But it said, you know, like the church needs you and the Pope expects great things of you. Mm. Right. And just growing up that way, you know, many of us have grown up with a fire in our belly being like, put me in coach, put me in, you know, I can do this. (laughs) And um, if you find that type of person, you can expect great things at your parish. Um, that being said, I would say, like, be proactive to make sure that this young person's faith is very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen sometimes young people get hired and no one's asked them, like, are you living with your significant other? Or what do you believe about theology of the body? Or these things. And this young person, if they're not really in love with the theology of the body or they're not really in love with all of the church's teachings, um, that could pose a real challenge for your staff because they're still in that part of life where those issues are very paramount. So that's a really good warning. Yeah. yeah do not. Yeah. <laughs> find, it's true. A, find a way, call your archdiocese because you can only ask certain questions legally without getting sued, but find ways to ask, you know, are they, a pr- you can ask questions like, how do you like to pray and listen for answers like daily prayer, adoration, confession, mass, daily mass, you know, listen for answers like, what do you see your vocation leading? Listen for how they're dating. Um, Ask them what topics they're most excited to bring to the parish, right? Mm-hmm. So really do test this person because, as you know, Marisa, as you're saying, there are amazing young people out there, um, but there are also a lot of people whose faith might be having some gaps or some holes. And you yeah. want to make sure that you're hiring the right fit who can be a sustainable person for your community. That was our goal for the young person, that they could be in that position for two or more years um, I heard of a parish who asked their candidates for youth ministry to make a verbal commitment of three to five years. Wow. And that, I think, speaks volumes because it's implying we want to commit to you. So we want someone who's willing to commit to us. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that's the sort of match that can really be powerful. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm um, young people, like you said, are are in a lot of transitional stages of life. But I think there is something to be said for the per- the value of um 
permanence, even if it's short term <laughs> permanence. It's <laughs> a little paradoxical yeah. to say. Um, and a final word for pastors um, as we're talking this through. Um, I would just, you know, look for references for that person's like stability and emotional maturity. Mm. As a young person, it's very tricky to navigate being a youth minister for people who are only a few years younger than you. Or what if you fall in love with someone who's in your parish? It's not the end of the world, but Mm -hmm. it's just these real things happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how to navigate that exactly, but I would just throw out there that I think the emotional stability, the resiliency, the sense of boundaries of Mm -hmm. young people can still be developing. Um, In retrospect, I'm so grateful I didn't go into teaching right away Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think knowing myself, it would have been hard for me to have a real sense of difference with um, people only a few years younger than me. So going into parish ministry and working with six-year-olds was great because <laughs> I didn't have any issue differentiating myself from six-year-olds. Um, so, you know, don't be, uh, you know, don't hire just any young person after this podcast and then be annoyed if it doesn't work. But I think there's real treasure there um, if you can find the right person. That's awesome. So number one, just to recap, um, if you have a young person, join your parish ministry Um Tell them that you're excited, that they're there, <laughs> be welcoming. Um, number two, help them get plugged in with professional um, groups or organizations where they can turn to when they have tricky questions that are um, unique to their position. Number three, um, encourage the uh, culture of um, kind of checking in and having open lines of communications. So, um it doesn't have to always be about work. It could be about life too. Um, that's really important to have that culture where there are regular check-ins and, and communications, um, not in a kind of oversight micromanagement way, but in just a just having that spirit of collaboration and um, support. Number four for the supervisors, um, hold account hold hold them accountable. Um, especially um, you know in those initial phases, it's actually really helpful. Um, it's not it's not over being overbearing or try not to be overbearing, but know that um, sometimes the more tr- tracks that are set for them, the easier it is to get to where they're trying to go. <laughs> um, then you can loosen the reins once they have uh, you feel feel more comfortable. Um, number five, this is to kind of all parishioners, all members of a parish community. Feed your young ministers. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes beyond that. It's more just have a spirit of hospitality. Invite them into your lives and um, give them this sense of, of family. Sometimes they're they're um, disconnected from their own family. And so it can be super comforting to be in a home um, in, in amongst that kind of uh, the different ages. Number six, be realistic with those who are in ministry um, and who are younger about their time and their scheduling. Um, make sure that they maybe keep track of their hours just to be able to keep a gauge that they're not over committing um, and that, that the hours, that they don't need more help on certain projects or um, maybe that they don't need additional resources. The, the hours that they're spending um, and where they're spending them can be a really, um, can be very telling. Number seven, um, trust your millennial staff member. They are there for a reason. Um, they have gifts to bring to the table and um, trust them. That being said, um, Lauren gave great tips on things to look for and questions to ask in the hiring process um, to really ensure that they are going to be somebody that that you really can trust. So thank you so much, Lauren. That's All those things are just so, so helpful. So thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, Marisa. 
And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. Let us know. What do you think? Were there any of those tips that you found particularly helpful? Um, Let us know if you take one of those tips to heart this week and make any changes in your day to day. We'd love to hear about it. And we are praying for you. We hope to hear from you. And until next time, peace. Peace.